Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on March 14th, 2021, on the basis of Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 to 9. Pastor Tomford, uh, Pastor Wilkie, actually my old roommate from college, asked me to be here with you this morning. Uh, their daughter was supposed to have come and be due this week, so he needed a little break. Never from you, but maybe just from the routine of preaching. So uh, I am a pastor over at Martin Luther College, which is our Wells uh, Synod College over in New Ulm, Minnesota, about two hours away. And uh, we traveled here this morning, my wife and I, to be here with you and to share in God's word uh, as well. The words that we're going to read this morning come from Numbers chapter 21, and as uh, Pastor Wilkie said before, they connect so nicely to John chapter 3. The words that Moses wrote in Numbers 21 go like this, as they're projected on the screen. They, the Israelites, traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. And the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This is the word of the Lord. I have a question for you this morning, and I'm sure there's a number of ways that you could answer it. Uh, But the question goes like this. Have you ever become impatient in life? Thinking about that question a little bit this last week, and it was about a week ago when my wife and I took our young puppy out for a walk, and what we thought was going to be an hour adventure ended up being four and a half hours because our dog proceeded to roll in every burr there was in that state park, and we had to comb and comb and comb that little golden retriever. Maybe for you it's not uh, an animal, but maybe it's a child uh, that you just can't keep quiet, or a newborn that won't let you sleep through the night, or maybe a loved one. As you seem to drop hints all the time to your spouse to understand how you're feeling, and yet they just give you the same look that the dog gives you day in and day out. Speaking from experience, I'm always the dog in that picture. A job, a vocation, a time in your life when you seem to be spinning your wheels and you grow impatient, and maybe there's other attitudes and actions that even come out. Impatience for us, as we can see it, is felt on our hearts and in our lives, and as we look at it this morning through the words of Numbers 21, there was a far different consequence for God's people 
when they became impatient. Highlights for us as it highlighted for the people how God wanted his people's full attention in their life. He let them see so clearly how he dealt with their sin. But he also let them see in a wonderful way over and over how they got to look and live. It's our theme for our sermon this morning as we look at these words to see how God wants our full attention in this life. He lets you understand how he deals with your sin. But he also lets you understand day after day how wonderfully he lets you look and you live. When you think back to these words a little bit from Moses and Numbers 21, you kind of have to get a little bit of the, the context to understand maybe where these people were, the Israelites, and, and really how they should have never had any reason to complain. Think back to the Old Testament a little bit, and you remember the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they had lived in the Promised Land once, but then they had gone down to Egypt with Jacob and his 12 sons because of the famine that was in the land, and settling there for actually 430 years that the Bible tells us, and until as we look at Exodus, they became enslaved. Enslaved as they cried out to their Lord, enslaved as the Egyptians and Pharaoh did very cruel things to them, making them even make bricks without straw, to the point where they cried out and God allowed them to come out of Egypt and go through that Red Sea and wander in the desert for about a year and then come into the promised land or try the first time. Maybe you're familiar with that story, though, when the spies went in, and instead of listening to those two good spies, Caleb and Joshua, they listened to the ten, and fear and distrust took over their hearts as they also heard the Lord's consequence that they were going to wander for 40 years in the desert, and no one under the age of 20, no one over the age of 20 was going to survive. They were going to perish. And that's what's interesting as we look at Numbers 21 in the beginning of this section as they were going back to the promised land for now the second time. Trying to go through the nation of Edom, it includes there this great powerful nation that didn't let them pass and so they had to go around, kind of out into the desert and then from the same way that they were trying to cross before from east to west, go over the Jordan River and finally into the land that God had promised them. And what did we hear before? They became impatient on the way. They began to grumble. They said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Think about that new generation of people. People that maybe were real small when they were in Egypt the first time and had witnessed maybe the first entrance or arrival to the promised land, who had heard stories, who had seen their parents die, who had seen really manna and quail and water be given to them for 40 years, who now were going to take hold of the promised land, and they say, what? Even go far, as far as to blaspheme their Lord and their God. We heard before the Lord had a consequence for their lives, though. He sent venomous snakes which appeared and in which those Israelite people who weren't supposed to have died in the wilderness 
ended up dying. Ended up dying and being bitten by snakes and sitting there and thinking to themselves that their whole paradigm had been turned upside down. Maybe seems a little harsh for us as we look at it thousands of years later. But really the, the picture that's there for our heart is no different. We're not Israelite people. We're not traveling around, wandering in the desert for 40 years. I don't think the Lord is going to put snakes in your house this evening. At least I hope not. We're in South Dakota. There's not very many snakes up here. Don't quote me on that. Maybe you've seen them before. No, the fact of the matter is the Lord didn't so much care about what year they were as they were wandering in the desert. The Lord cared about their hearts. He let them see in a very real way what was going to happen, what they thought was going to happen at the end of their life, but now was happening before their very eyes as, as death was happening. The same thing rings true for you and I years later. We don't get to see the direct connection between our sin and our imperfections and what God is, is laying out there for us in our life. He has promised not to, to hurt us, but to discipline us, but we get to see death. Maybe the best picture of what we've gone through the last year. We get to have those times when we're impatient and when we're emotional and when we're anxious and things are going all out of control and we can't do anything to help them. God is pulling back his curtain that we can see a sinful world, that we can see sinful people, that we can see our own sinful nature. We feel it, not like the Israelites. We hear it as we go and see what's written in his word. He lets us clearly see how he deals with our sin. But in the same breath, he lets you clearly see how he deals and has dealt with your sin. All the times when you're impatience and maybe actions that aren't so great come out from that. The death that you see in this world, the anxiety, the emotion, whatever it is, is all made better because of that gracious Lord in the desert who is leading his people and who is leading you to see what he does with your sin. With all the times in your life that you become impatient for no good reason, for all the ignorant and arrogant times in which you don't treat each other and you're even selfish and prideful. He takes those away forever. Yeah, we still struggle with our sinful nature. We still see death coming at the end of our life. But God, through not a bronze snake, but his son on that cross, and I believe this cross is brand new today as it was just brought in before his son of God went to that cross and died. Died for you and all of your sins. All of those people's sins in the Old Testament, all of the people's sins in the New Testament, and all of those people who have yet to hear what Jesus means for their life. God wants your full attention, and we might think that this story is harsh and out of this world, but yet 
This morning, God is saying the same thing to you. Through the world that you live in, through your own sinful nature, he lets you clearly see how he deals with your sin, both from the law and as from his wonderful gospel that we heard a beautiful picture of in John chapter 3. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You think back to that story again, though, when those people were sitting there, perhaps with bite marks in their hands or on their legs, or maybe they were bandaged up afterward. They, they looked at that snake and they lived. Uh, they prayed out to Moses, and Moses in turn prayed for the people, and this is what was recorded. Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten and bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Really what's going on there is something of the heart, something that the people would have realized, something that had to do with their heart of, what the New Testament says, of repentance. Seeing a God who was merciful, seeing a God who was just, but seeing a God really over and over who took them away from their sin, who took them away from the consequences that they faced and let them look and live. It happened through that day through a bronze snake on a pole, which maybe seems a little different to us. It happened their whole lifetime through the tabernacle, through the sacrifices, through the priestly garments. It happened by the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus on that cross, and that heart of repentance happens in your life as well, not just this morning, but day after day after day. Letting you look and live. Letting you look and live when you go through struggles and you have anxious feelings and these thoughts and you see your sin sometimes blatantly stare down at you as you look and feel God's law. Letting you look and live even as you remember those things in your past as well. As you think about this story a little bit, you would imagine as the Israelites finally did enter the promised land, they probably had some bandages or some wounds that they were still carrying from this incident. Maybe there were scars left from the snake bites in the years to come, and you kind of think a little bit what your physical scars mean in your life. Maybe it's a pin or screw that you had a surgery, a new hip or a knee, or if you're like me, you let the fillet knife fly a little bit and all of a sudden you have a nice gouge and scar on your hand. Or someone cleats you in a sport practice, whatever it is. You think about those physical scars and memories and, and what they mean for you about the things in the past. But you also think about the spiritual scars that God leaves sometimes. Not physical, of course, mostly memories, but things that he has taken you from to the place that you now sit. Having you remember who was in control, what he did for you, how it maybe hurt a little bit to hear God's law come down in your life, but seeing the new way of life, seeing how you're able to look and to live in remembrance of the things that, has ha that have happened to you already and as a guide to come to get you past those trials and those hardships, to 
to guide you in this life to keep living day after day after day. When life doesn't make a lot of sense, when you grow impatient or impatience grows into other attitudes and actions, the Lord is coming to you over and over again through everything that life has to offer and all the feelings, but specifically through his word right here. Don't think it's a coincidence that you're here this morning listening to God's words from Numbers chapter 21 in a story that you maybe have or haven't heard before that seems a little out there, but because of a Lord who loves you, who wants your full attention in life, letting you see clearly how he deals with your sin and always giving you the opportunity and the power and the blessing to look and to live. Every day of our lives, every day, whatever the next 20 or 30 years is going to look like, but one day, forever, waking up in a paradise that we can't imagine, waking up and looking and living at your wonderful Savior, who went to the cross for you, for your eternal glory. Amen.